Good morning, Senator Dorgan and Congressman English. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm excited to do this podcast with you both today on permitting reform. I will start by doing a few introductions before we launch into our, our discussion. Um, Senator Dorgan, you are a senior policy advisor at Aaron Fox Schiff, uh, joining us from Washington, D.C. today. In the Senate, you are the chairman of Energy and Water Appropriations Panel and also a senior member of the Senate Energy Committee for many years. You're also on the panel of the International Board of Energy Futures Initiative and a former Energy Secretary in a former Energy Secretary Moniz organization. But at Aaron Fox, you've worked a great deal on renewables and biofuels, and you are also the author of the Renewable Fuel Standard. Not to mention, you've also been on the Board of Governors at Argonne National Lab for nine years working on energy issues. So thank you for joining us. Um, Congressman English, you're also Senior Policy Advisor at Aaron Fox Schiff, joining us from Washington, D.C. today. Um, in the House of Representatives, you served on the Ways and Means Committee and um, in a role and became strong advocate for healthcare, energy, tax, and trade policy. After leaving office, you were appointed to the U.S. National Commission for the U.N., Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, and this organization advises the State Department on these various issues. Currently, you serve as the co-chair of the Institute for Representative Government, and, the, and you're also the honorary chairman of the Center for Strategic Tax Reform and the chair of this group's board of advisors. So also welcome to the podcast today. Um, in my practice, I'm in the Aaron Fox Schiff Environmental and Energy Group. I've practiced in this group for over 15 years, I'm also part of the Energy and Clean Tech Industry Group. I spend most of my time working on siting and permitting issues for large commercial uh, wind and solar projects. And our practice group does siting and permitting work for pipelines and transmission projects and really working as a team throughout the firm on these types of projects. So we're here today because we wanna talk about uh, permitting reform. Um, building and producing major infrastructure projects like those that we work on on a day-to-day -day basis require federal environmental reviews under and often under the, the National Environmental Policy Act or NEPA. So on average, these, these studies now take four to four and a half years. This is the estimate varies depending on who you talk to, but um, it's in any case a long process and we really can't get what we need to get done without some real permitting reform. Um, this has come up before, attempts to build bipartisan support in Congress, but really um, hasn't gone very far. Uh, we have a new debt ceiling bill uh, that that made some amendments to NEPA. And I think this is the first time that NEPA has been significantly amended since 1978. So it really is a significant moment for, for NEPA, even if the changes themselves, and we will get into this a little bit later, aren't a massive overhaul of the statute, they are significant. So, so Byron, maybe you can start us out. Um, what are the permitting reform concerns that we've been hearing about and who are the major players in Congress? Well, first of all, to say permitting reform, when you just use those two words, a lot of people will wonder, well, what does that mean, permitting reform? 
Uh, go back to 1970, uh, and there was about a 20-page bill passed under President Nixon that created uh, what is called NEPA, National Environmental Policy Act. And, and from that day forward, on major projects, uh, particularly federal projects, there had to be an investigation of what is this major project going to mean if it's, if it's located here or there or elsewhere? What will it mean? What will it mean to people? What will it mean to the environment? What will it mean to jobs and so on? And so that's a good thing, doing an assessment like that, except that these assessments have become anywhere from five years to, to get done to 15 years and sometimes more. And so we're not getting much done, and there needs to be a reform. This permitting uh, reform is necessary. It's complicated, difficult, very partisan. And, and so uh, we need to do it. And why do we need to do it now? Because we need to build things in this country. We need to build a lot of things, especially in the energy area. If we're mo moving towards clean tech, uh, EVs, uh, batteries, minerals, dealing with China. All the, so we need to build a lot of things, but we're not going to get that done if we're waiting 5 and 10 and 15 years for NEPA. Now, that doesn't mean we should not have NEPA. We should have NEPA, but we should reform it in a way so that it doesn't drag on forever. Let's do it and do it right and do it on time. The federal government's never been accused of speeding. And I'll tell you what, in this circumstance, they just take way too much time. And Phil, I'm sure, will we'll say the same thing. It's, you know, th th there's just been too much delay, and it needs to change. Yes, we've seen the US, the government set net carbon zero goals for for the country by 2050 and even an interim goal by 2030. And there really is this urgent need to get things done in a more timely manner. Um, so with that, I think maybe we can even talk about what some of the changes in the in the um, infrastructure bill look like. Well, uh, Phil, I'll let you do it. But I mean, the the, the changes in the infrastructure bill um, were to put a timeline of maybe two years on these major projects um, uh, and, and some issues with respect to the courts. But the problem is, while it addresses the issue, it doesn't solve the issue. It, right. in, in other words, if somebody's doing an, a NEPA study and it takes more than two years, it doesn't mean anything. They, you know, they... Yeah. they they just they just have to say we're taking more time, and then you go to the courts. There's no restriction on the courts here, so these things can still drag out five or ten years. And and so it's a good thing that they started this, and they talk about doing the rest of it or more of it at the end of this year. But it doesn't solve the problem at this point. Yeah, there was a catch in the language that says agencies need only consult with right. permit applicants Absolutely. in the event that those, those deadlines are missed. So what form those consultations will take, really we don't know at this point what those will look like. Yes, uh, you know, this legislation did provide uh, uh, a, a refined timetable, a shortened timetable for environmental assessments and in environmental reviews. And that's very, very important. It also provided uh, for an expedited approval uh, of uh, a pipeline in West Virginia, which from a standpoint of traditional energy was very, very important as well. Um, those are some of the highlights. Uh, I think Byron has it right. Uh, this is a significant change. It will accelerate these projects, but this only whetted the appetite of the negotiators for going forward with additional refinements in the current regulatory policy. Permitting reform is going to require addressing 
uh, the timeline of court filing lawsuits. It is going to require probably expanding permitting reform to a number of other energy sources and different areas. It's going to require taking on the challenges facing hard rock mining, for example. If we're serious about dealing with, for example, energy security, it is critical that we have not only a reliable, predictable energy supply uh, and permitting that, that accommodates rapid changes uh, and, and expedited changes uh, in our energy economy, uh, but also is going to require that certain minerals be made more available. And this is a side of the discussion that doesn't get much, uh, much explored. Uh, the fact is we are heavily dependent on China, Russia, and the Congo uh, for many of the minerals that are central to the development of our new energy industries uh, and things like uh, EVs. Uh, this is, a, I think, an enormous challenge. We're now at a point where it takes 10 years uh, to move forward with a new hard rock mine uh, and, and hundreds of billions of dollars to capitalize it. Uh, under these circumstances, we need to revisit some of those issues or at least put that on the table. Uh, we clearly need transmission reform address. There was a study put into uh, the, the um, uh, FRA uh, that would allow a, essentially a new study on transmission needs. I think that'll be helpful, uh, but the administration is also moving forward uh, on exploring how to expedite uh, national interest uh, electric corridors that would essentially be uh, a, a unified regulatory approach to moving electricity across state lines and through uh, particularly economically significant corridors. You can imagine that that's going to be uh, very important in establishing smart highways with charging stations uh, and other resources that allow electric, electric vehicles to move forward. It's also going to be critical to allowing goods movement using electricity lines, but it's, it's going to involve uh, taking on the traditional way that we regulate and we permit so, so much of our electricity grid at the local level. Mm -hmm. Phil, oh. Phil's absolutely right yeah. about that, Amy. The, yeah. And, and so, on the, you know, it is roads, it's pipelines, it's electric transmission lines, it's mining, it's solar, it's wind. When you take a look at all these new energy big projects, mm -hmm. it's very significant. And, and, and I don't want to weaken NEPA, but there's, you know, we certainly want NEPA to work in a reasonable time frame. And I think you can speak to this too. You've seen the back and forth, Byron, about some of the transition bills that have been proposed and and actually not passed this time around. But we might, I mean, wouldn't you agree we can expect to see something that next on transmission specifically, like Phil, you mentioned? I mean, there's really been a challenge um, to get these interregional projects moving at a, at a pace that can be sustainable and really meet our goals. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's, there's pros and cons and parties are in different sides of, uh, have different positions on these, these that's projects. True. No, that, that's absolutely true. I'm going to read to you what, uh, Speaker McCarthy said, I pledge to the president, President Biden, 
that we will continue working with them and the Democrats um, across the way because we need energy, all forms of energy. Advancing permitting reform to include transmission pipelines and other infrastructure, he said. And the Biden said the same thing. So both of them have said, we're going to, you know, we did this in, in sort of a small fashion. And by the way, it's a two-year, you know, a two-year requirement under NEPA. But as you say, Amy, if you miss the two years, nothing happens to you. You just have to consult that you're missing the two years. So it, it doesn't quite fix it. But uh, between now and the end of the year, both the president and the speaker have indicated they're going to do more. They'd like to do more. But these are very partisan. I mean, that's really mm. I'm going to be at the White House today at a meeting this afternoon on permitting reform. I mean, it's 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 partisan, difficult and so on to do it, because on the Democratic left, the last thing they want is any change in NEPA. And, mm -hmm. you know, on the public Republican far right, they don't even like NEPA in many cases. So you've got you've got something in the middle that is required to work here to figure out how can we do this to build these projects, move forward to a better future. And, and let me mention one other thing, if I might, because Phil has talked about it, um, this issue of uh, EVs and batteries and minerals. We can't get where we're going to go in the new clean tech uh, energy future if we don't have uh, the capability. We have one nickel mine in the United States, one lithium mine in the United States, and, and most of what we need in, in certain manganese and, and nickel and lithium and, and, and all these minerals, most of them are elsewhere. So we have to, we do have to do processing. We have to open some mines, perhaps. Difficult to do, hard to do. But the fact is, we have to if we're going to have a new energy future. Tim, Phil made that point. He's right. The center lithium comes from China. Right. Uh, that is a serious uh, security threat on, on a number of different levels. Uh, Byron, I think you put the political equation very, very well. I think there's broad support for permitting reform, but I think it means different things to different people. Uh, we're seeing on the Republican side advocacy for an all energy uh, approach uh, that will benefit uh, petroleum and coal, as well as natural gas. Uh, on the Democratic side, there's an emphasis on permitting for transmission uh, and, and some other issues uh, in a very targeted way. I think uh, that uh, I think that Senator Carper has probably done the best job of laying out an agenda uh, on the Democratic side uh, with his peer bill, uh, which would provide for permitting relief, but particularly targeting it to environmentally beneficial uh, uh, projects and industries. Um, that narrow casting approach may be a hard sell, but there are also other interesting things uh, in the peer bill. For, for example, opening up geothermal, which I think is, is a sunrise industry that's going to be very critical to the equation. On the Republican side, you have, in addition to an interest in, in hard rock mining, uh, a, a great deal of interest in uh, revisiting hydropower and also revisiting nuclear power. It takes seven years now uh, to permit uh, a new nuclear facility, uh, and there are enormous costs built into it that are driven more by regulations and permitting, not, not in, in environmentally specific regulations, mm -hmm. but simply walking through 
uh, a, a very difficult permitting process. That's in a different regulatory realm. And, uh, and I think maybe drawn into the discussion, the key is going to be to pull together uh, governance Republicans uh, and moderate Democrats who are concerned about climate change uh, and find a middle ground. Uh, I'm told by people on the Hill that that middle ground exists, uh, but it's going to take a lot of work. John Podesta at the White House, who's taken a lead position on this, whom I know Byron knows, uh, has said that Senator Manchin's bill is the starting place uh, for the negotiations. And I think that's probably going to be a pretty good place to start uh, with a series of limits on uh, the, the size uh, of filings with deadlines for filings for reviews and also uh, dealing with you know, the statute of limitations on lawsuits. This right. is, I think, uh, a very good place to find common ground. And perhaps as we build out this package, you may see other industries um, and other factors included. Yeah, I think you've touched on a lot of key issues here involving permitting reform with the litigation reform, energy security, with additional transmission um, work that needs to be done. Um, I feel like, too, though, I would um, be remiss if I didn't mention, the since I do so much permitting, um, permitting work, that even if we do federal permitting reform, it's still only a small piece of the puzzle for many of our clients because lots of these projects do require state and local approvals and permits as well. And we can um, find some more efficiency of the federal level, but you still now, for example, for renewable energy projects, you have a lot of smaller permitting decisions that are required now compared to when we had these traditional power plants that, um, that were permitted. And you might have like 10 to 15 permitting decisions for really the ultimate same amount of capacity, depending on how large these projects are. So an easier permitting process might make it easier for the, the, the big developers, the ones that are used to and familiar with this federal permitting process. But the, new, the newcomers, it still will be difficult to get through the federal process with a large number of projects. There's never going to be a green light to say, you know, whoever yeah. you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, um, go ahead. I mean, there's, yeah. there's going to always be uh, difficulties. <laughs> For example, in pipelines, uh, the state and local governments have, uh, well, and transmission as well. The FERC has pipelines and transmission lines. Uh, state and local governments have uh, a lot of uh, uh, interest as well. Let me just read to you a, a couple of the titles of legislation that currently exists in the Congress, just because too, yes. there's a lot of it. And uh, so the Lower Energy Cost Act um, you know that the Clean Electricity and Transmission Acceleration Act, uh, the Building American Energy Security Act, that's a Mansion Bill, by the way, Promoting Efficient Endangered Reviews Act, that's a CARPER legislation, Spur Permitting of Underdeveloped Resources Act, um, that's a Barrasso, and so I mean, there's more here. So there is. It's not as if there aren't ideas. There are a lot of mm -hmm. ideas. But they're not easy. And so the, the, one of the things I thought maybe Phil and I could talk about is if they say the end of the year they're going to revisit this, does that guarantee it? No, it doesn't. 
you know, right. a whole lot of things. They say a whole lot of things that don't get done. But the fact that the speaker and the president both said we'd like to revisit this and both have portions of their caucus that want it badly, uh, I, I, my best guess is that we'll get to a point probably uh, late July, maybe September, I don't know, October. I, we'll get to a point where there's going to be a lot of pressure to say, let's get back to this and do something on it. Now, I, my best guess is of what they might do is they might make these, uh, these limitations real. If it's two years, it's two years. And you mm -hmm. can't just be off consulting and say nothing happens. If you're going to do litigation reform, there needs to be real litigation reform, as Phil just mentioned, uh, and and that needs to be real. So I I think mm -hmm. they're going to have to make tough choices. Yeah. Let me just say quickly again, I think NEPA is really important. And just if you're a citizen in this country, you're going to want to know if somebody's going to build a big chemical plant someplace or going to build a highway through your front yard. You you want to understand? Has there been an environmental impact statement that you can see? That, yes. was done, that tells you what this means to you, to the environment, to your community. I think it's important to do this, but I, it, it, it's time that they start getting them done on time. Byron, I appreciate, by the way, you're bringing up pipelines because I think they highlight uh, one of the dilemmas. Um, both sides of the argument have an interest in expediting pipelines. Uh, traditional energy advocates uh, would like to see more pipelines for petroleum, and also for natural gas. Natural gas actually is going to remain a transition fuel for us for many years. And it's very important that that be part of the grid. Uh, but on the, on the other side of the equation, pipelines are going to be increasingly important for the new energy economy. We're going to be seeing uh, a push toward uh, uh, CO2 pipelines. We're going to see a need to permit hydrogen pipelines. Uh, we're going to see a need to permit CO2 storage uh, facilities. When you add all of that up, there's a compelling argument uh, for permitting reform in the pipeline space. Mm -hmm. The challenge is uh, getting acceptance broadly of, of, of each side for the other's needs in this space. One other point, one issue that I need to share is that uh, a big part of the issue with permitting reform will also include cost sharing issues. And those are being driven uh, by states who, when you talk about transmission, are concerned that uh, their uh, populations are going to be paying for big investments occurring in other parts of the country. Uh, so the typical example is California is making a big investment and encouraging investment uh, in renewables and new energy production, uh, but the costs of that are substantial and they will be shared with places like Wyoming. So uh, there needs to be, I think, a common understanding yeah. where cost sharing can go and a compromise found there. I know you have thoughts on that. And Phil, a good example of that for, you know, we are in North Dakota. Uh, South Dakota and so on, called the Saudi Arabia of wind. So the fact is, you can produce a great amount of wind energy in the two Dakotas, but they don't need that energy there. That energy gets wheeled, for example, west to California or wherever. And so the point you're making is really important because it's, you know, the, the people don't want to pay for things that aren't going to benefit them. On the other hand, uh, 
there are a fair number of jobs as well for some of that additional transmission capability. But I think this whole area, you, you've just described uh, another one of the areas that are difficult to work through and create compromises on. How do you do this uh, in a way that, that works? And you know, the, the far left in the House on the Democratic side, they feel very strongly. They don't want anybody messing with NEPA. They just don't. Uh, and yet, President Biden understands if we don't do something about these lengthy delays, five years, 10 years and more, we're not going to be able to build what we need to build. This country needs to build a lot now. We, we need to be about building this new energy future. And so and when you talk about it, you're talking about mining and pipelines and transmission and, you know, it goes on and on. It's a big deal, but it's really important. And, and we can't forget that the devil's in the details. And after this legislation, there's going to be a whole rulemaking that is initiated to implement these changes. And so we'll see kind of right. what, how, how the, the rules are, are drafted and how they really implement these new statutory changes. Um, I think one of them that's interesting to me and Phil that you touched on pipelines because, and it's important because in our firm does work on all kinds of oil and gas pipelines, carbon sequestration, and these are all important um, projects in, in the future of, of our transition here. But, but it's, this new change to NEPA that requires an analysis of the negative environmental effect of not implementing the proposal really will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, even in projects that I've worked on before, we've wanted to to uh, we've made these same arguments, but now it's officially in the statute. So it'll it'll be um, something that the agencies must consider and the agencies must include an analysis of in their reports. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can, uh, as, as we sort of wrap up here a little bit, talk about, you know, how I and how Phil sees the rest of this year. And I, if clients yeah. that are listening to this would, you know, would wonder, okay, now that you've talked about all this, what do you think is going to happen? The right. answer is well, neither of us really know for sure what will happen. Yeah. But I think given the speaker and the president both wanting to re-engage on this, uh, there's some more likelihood uh, that this is a subject that could find compromise and could get done. We know there are going to be discussions. Uh, Garrett Graves was one of the key negotiators for the House uh, that produced uh, the language in the FRA, has indicated uh, very recently that there's a commitment to go forward with further negotiations. The FRA negotiations also created uh, a bridge among some in the House leadership, some in key committee positions uh, with the administration uh, and with key negotiators on the Senate side. Uh, so I think there is a common ground here. I, I think that Byron is an expert on the dynamics of negotiations in the Senate. In my opinion, there needs to be a negotiation that includes the House and brings in House Democrats, given the narrowness of the of the Republican majority. Can all of this come together? I think it is possible uh, because although appropriations is going to be an incredibly difficult process and uh, partisanship is going to go through the roof as we approach the presidential season, which is just a month or two off when debates start, mm -hmm. uh, I, think, I think you're going to see at least an opportunity in this space for key members on both sides 
to come together and produce something concrete that could pass this year. It's not going to be, I think, the final run at permitting reform, but it could be uh, potentially ambitious if they can get enough people involved. Yeah, and I I also would just quickly say, Phil, I, I think it's more likely that we'll find the compromise developing in the Senate. That's that's probably where the final answer will come from as they work with the White House. Uh, there's no guarantee that this is going to get done, but I think uh, uh, there's, there's certainly a greater likelihood that it can get done because the White House and the Speaker of the House, and I think the specific interests by a good many senators, uh, really want to do something about uh, this issue. And, and an obvious point, I'm sorry to interrupt, Amy, but uh, anything to pass is going to require 60 votes in the House That's correct. Uh, and a probably a bipartisan padded majority uh, in the House. So 60 votes in the Senate, a bipartisan majority in the House, that's going to be challenging in itself. That's correct. So it sounds like the three of us are going to have a reunion here in a couple of months to talk about the next stage of permitting reform. It'll take longer than a couple of months, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but we'll have we'll have another discussion for sure. Well, Phil and Byron, thank you so much for for really breaking down these new permitting reform amendments uh, to NEPA and the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023. It was really great talking to you both. I feel honored that I have you both to to refer to on these issues. Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you, Amy.